Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Decomplicating Dressage podcast. For those of you that are new here, my name is Jess Gale and this podcast is all about making dressage make sense. In today's episode, we are going to be looking at how to analyse your test sheet. So often we take our scores as confirmation of whether we've done well or badly, but there is so much information you can take from your test sheet that can help to show you what you're doing well in your training, what you need to work on, and often it even shows you how to improve it too. Your test sheet can end up being a great guide that shows you exactly what you need to do to improve your marks, and yet so often we don't really read it. We'll skim read it and then forget about it and focus on the scores instead. But today I'm gonna take you through how you can really read your test sheet, where the information is, how to know what the judge is really saying and how you can take all of this to help you in your training back at home to improve your scores. If you enjoy this episode, then please do share it. The best way to do this is on social media. So you can share it to your stories or post it on your wall. And if you have a few moments to leave a review, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then that is hugely helpful. It helps to get the podcast out, helps to let more people see it, and hopefully it can help them too. So I thought that this would be a really interesting topic to talk about, as I feel like it's a big kind of gap where I see a lot of people missing out on a mass of information that has the potential to really help you improve your scores. I think a lot of the time when we come out of the test, we have we have an idea about whether we're happy or not happy with the way that the test went. And then we get the score and then we get the test sheet and that has the potential to change how we feel. We can go from being happy with the test to not happy or the other way around, depending on what the score is. So for some, anything above 60% is a fantastic achievement. And for some, there is a score that we have in our heads that we want to get to 
And for some, anything below 70% isn't good enough. And for some, the score just doesn't matter. And so it's important to know, firstly, that you are on your own journey. You know where your horse is at. The judge, unless they've judged you quite regularly recently, doesn't know where you're at either on your journey. They don't know whether this is your 50th time at this level or your first. And so the score is very much individual to you. But when you assess your test sheet, again, it's very individual to you. How you perceive something as being good or being bad will be very different to how someone else would read that test sheet. So it's really important when you do this, you do it either by yourself or with someone that knows you really well. I know that I've had many tests where I've come out and not been happy for whatever reason, but then I've seen the score and we may have won or scored really high and I've then forgotten about all the things that I wasn't happy with in that test and just because of that I've then missed out on a really big opportunity to work out how I can improve and how I can make things better and that's I think something that's really important is that you don't get caught up in the score but that you still take the time no matter whether the test was awful in your opinion or amazing that you still go back through and you work out what to improve what you need to work on in your training and what you need to change to make the scores even better I always think your test sheet can be a little bit like a blueprint it kind of tells you what you should be working on in your training but there's a whole host of information from the marks to the comments to the directives and the collectives all of which can guide you as of what to work on in your training. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with looking at how to read your test sheet and how to work out what to work on in your training. And then we'll go into the specifics of the actual test sheet. What of the test sheet do you need to look at and what information will that give you and how can you actually put that into your training too? So what can you do with it then? You've got your test sheet. How can this actually transfer into your training? So your test sheet is chock-a-block full of information. We're going to go through each bit of information and work out how this is going to help you. But as I said before, it's so easy to go out and do a test and come back and think, yeah, that's good. No, that's bad. But your test sheet can guide you as of what to work on in your training. How you do this, though, and how you assess your test sheet is completely up to you. You can go through each part and just make like a bullet point list on your phone or in a notebook of the things that you need to work on. And that might be that your centre lines need to be straighter or you need to work on your 15 metre circle size or your horse needs to um, start working more forward. Whatever you pick, some of these things will be really quick fixes. There'll be things that you just need to change and tweak in the test. And there will be other things that are kind of longer term training goals. So if you want to go a step further, you can get highlighters out. You can kind of categorise them into long term, short term and things like that. Or you can go all out and you can do a big Excel spreadsheet, write down all the movements and what you've scored And then you can easily compare it with previous tests and competitions and see if you've improved. Now, I love this idea because it helps me to see the kind of finer points a lot more. 
So I've had tests where I may have scored lower than I did the last time, but I've got a better mark for say a transition that I've been working on in my training or a circle or my center lines were straighter. And so it helps you to see the positives of what you think of as a negative test or the other way, it might help you to see a couple of areas you still need to work on, even in tests that you feel have gone really well. Now, it doesn't matter if you're doing different tests every time, because all you do with the Excel spreadsheet is you just put the movements in. So you might have, let's say you're at prelim, you might have 20 meter circle left and then 20 meter circle right and then center line and then transition to canter left and so on. And doing this can be really helpful for breaking down the test and really reading it and assessing it and working out what marks you're getting for each movement. I also know how much time this takes and I know a lot of you will be sitting here going, that's a really great idea, but I don't have time to do that. So what I've done is I've made a blank version of this to get you started and it's on free resources on the Decomplication Dressage website. But I have also done one for each level for all the hub members, which you can find in the resources section but that is just for hub members. So if you want access to that, you do have to come and join us. Um, but it is a really great membership and platform and you've got loads of training, loads of resources, literally everything you could possibly need to develop and improve your dressage. So now the rest of this kind of podcast is going to be about going through the different parts of the test and working out what it means what information it can tell you about you and your horse and how to work out what it all actually means to then help your training so we're going to start with the marks and i feel like this is kind of the main bulk of what we look at because let's face it we always tend to look at the marks all the movements, as you will know if you've done tests before, are marked out of 10, except for the movements that have that coefficient of two. Now, at the lower levels, this is usually for the free walk, which is then worth a total of 20 marks. That changes depending on what level you do. But that brings us to the first point. Know where your double up marks are. How did you score on them? How could you make it better? Because these movements have the opportunity to make you twice as many marks as any other movement in that test do. The only other things that are double up marks are your collectives, which are obviously your whole test, your whole horse's way of going. When it comes to the free walk, if the free walk is one of your double up marks, work on it. So many of us just completely miss out the walk and just kind of forget about it. And we walk our horse on a loose rein and it's great. But actually practice your free walk, practice your transition from your medium walk to your free walk and back to your medium walk again and practice these things to actually improve them. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is actually knowing what the marks mean. So many people don't actually know what the marks mean. And we kind of see seven as good, anything below kind of six or five as bad. And that's kind of it. But actually, there is such not only a massive range, obviously, we've got zero to 10, but what they actually mean is really different. So zero is not executed. This is a movement that you just didn't do. So if it's a canter transition, you didn't canter is a good example. 
if you've got a one that's very bad that might mean you kind of maybe just about scraped doing the movement but it was awful and there were probably quite a few two three four issues that happened in that movement two is bad that probably means that there were still a couple of issues that happened in that movement but you probably just about managed it three is fairly bad four insufficient again these are all ones where you kind of didn't really get the movement performed in the correct way five is sufficient so this is kind of for the ones where the movement was performed like it did happen but it didn't necessarily happen in the best way with the best way of going with the correct aids something like that six is satisfactory seven is fairly good and this is when we get into our good part this kind of means that you're you did it the way of going was pretty good but there were just a couple of tiny little tweaks you could make to make it even better eight is good nine is very good and 10 is excellent now it's worth mentioning excellent isn't perfect like it's not to get a 10 is not everything doesn't have to be completely on the money foot perfect it has to be excellent but it doesn't have to be to the needle point perfect so when it comes to the marks i think a lot of the time we see like i said seven eight is good six is kind of okay five and below is bad and we almost end up having like a four mark range in our heads rather than the actual 10 marks that there are but also what they mean is really different if you get a six that movement was sufficient you did the job you did it right but there were things that you really need to go away and work on if you get a four or below generally there was something very distinctly wrong or quite a few things distinctly wrong and as you get to the lower end you started to not really perform the movement but on the other end of the scale if you get an eight or a nine generally that will mean you perform the movement correctly you did it in a good way of going everything was really kind of correctly done and together and looked really good when it comes down to the marks i think we've said that we like to separate it into kind of good and bad and then we kind of obsess over it being good or bad but it's worth mentioning that unless you get a 10 there was something there that you could improve on so when you go through the marks don't get caught up obsessing over those marks you see as bad and kind of forgetting about the marks you see as good look through all of them every single one even if you've got a nine and actually think about what you could do to improve it because every single movement could be improved whether that's turning the fours into six and a half or sevens into eights and eights into nines and tens there's still possibilities for you to improve and if anything the things you're getting seven and eights for are probably easier to turn into nines than the four and a halfs are because there might be some quite distinctly wrong things going on there so think about them both hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another thing to look for when it comes to marks is to look for trends or patterns. So you can pick up any issues that you could perhaps work on in your training. So, for example, you might see that your transitions are always scoring low or your 15 metre circles are always too big. And you don't just have to do this within one test. Like I said, you can look at multiple ones, especially if you've got that Excel spreadsheet out on your computer or on your phone. You can look back and see if your scores for a certain movement have improved over each time. And if they haven't and they've got worse, that's something you can put into your training. All these things should be giving you little insights into what you should be working on in your training. And it might be that you come across a big thing that is something quite big and quite long that you need to really get your teeth into. So if your centre lines are always letting you down and your circles are always letting you down, you could focus on your straightness and your suppleness. If you're working on your transitions and the transitions are always being really lazy, maybe you could look at improving those. One thing that I always found really interesting is to compare the marks you get for the movements on the left rein and the marks you got on the right rein, because all riders and horses are stronger on one side than another. And your marks will show this. If the judges are seeing that one rein is always better quality than another, and if this is the case, then this is something you can work on in your training too. And it might be that it surprises you. I had a horse that I always thought was better on the right rein than the left rein, but actually, the judges always picked up the left rein as being better because it was straighter. Whereas I actually always, always rode for more inside bend because it was comfortable, which wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. So it's definitely worth picking up on any differences between left and right. Differences in paces, you might find your canter always scores better than your trot or your walk doesn't always score very well. And these are all things that can guide you as of what to work on in your training. Now we can look at the comments then. So when it comes to some marks, I feel like sometimes we know why we got them. If our horse spooked, we got a four. Or you know your halt wasn't square. Or you know you wobbled down the centre line. It's all very kind of obvious reasons why you got marks. But there may be some that you have no clue why. You might feel like you did it really well and the judge gave you a low mark and you're not quite sure why you got that mark. And this is where comments can be so helpful. And a judge should normally comment on any movement that gets a seven or below. And these are all aimed at helping you know what you need to work on to improve that movement. So it's a little bit like a blueprint. They show you what you need to go away and work on. And when a judge writes the comment, there might be a few things you could improve, but the judge is only going to comment on either the most obvious issue or thing to work on or 
the root cause of the issue. So it might be there in there are a couple of issues in the movement, but there was one thing that was causing all those issues. And so they should comment on that. This is all really great and really helpful until we get to a stage where we don't understand what the judge is saying. And I think this can be where things get difficult. If we're in a lesson and our coach says something we don't understand, we can ask what they mean and we get clarification and everything's fine. Sometimes I think judges have to use eloquent, proper dressage language. And sometimes it's really hard to work out, actually, what are they trying to say I need to work on in my training? In plain English, just say it. So I went, this is a really good example, actually. I went to a Premier League a few months ago and I rode a test that I thought was nice. I was like, I'm just going to give them a nice time. I'm just going to, it's quite a big environment. It's the first time we've both been in an environment like this for a while. So I just want to give them a nice time. It was really soft. It was rhythmical. It was easy. It was just a nice test. And up until then, he'd been in the kind of everything between kind of 66, 67 to kind of 71, 72. And he got 62. And so there were three judges, all on similar scores. So I knew it wasn't... I couldn't blame it on saying, oh, the judge didn't like me or it was just one of those days because three of them in three different places had seen the same thing. So there was obviously something quite drastic that I was missing in my test. But the comments were all slightly different. So one was saying more self-carriage, one was saying more engagement, more activity, and one was saying more collection and so on. And I knew they were all linked. If I had more collection and more activity, my horse would be more engaged. And if I had more engagement, my horse would find it easier to be in self-carriage. And that's fine. But the difficulty I had is then putting that into the practicalities of what does that mean that I actually need to change in my warm-up and in my test and how my horse is moving to improve my score? And honestly, I wasn't really too sure. I knew what I needed And if someone had given me kind of two or three weeks, I could have got it. But I had a 30 minute warm up and I knew that I had got it before because he'd gone out and got 70 percent a couple of weeks before. And it wasn't until I asked the judge and they said, you just need to go for it a bit more that I realised that the judges weren't saying necessarily that there was a training issue there. They were saying they just wanted to see more. And so I did that. I went for more clear transitions in my mediums. I went for more collection and more small pirouettes. I went for more oomph in the changes, more sideways in the half passes. And I got 68%, which was much more along the lines of what I was expecting we were going to get. But the point was that translating more self-carriage and more engagement and more collection to go for it a bit more and just get on with it and go was really hard to do and I don't think I would have been able to do that unless that judge had put it into plain English. So if you're ever in the same boat as me and you do a test and you get the test sheet back and you look at the comments and you think I don't actually know what this means, go and ask someone to translate it into plain English for you. Judges have to be eloquent, they have to be polite in their comments, they can't just say give it a kick. Your transitions look like your horse fell on its face. Your leg yield looked more like a diagonal than a leg yield. 
instead they have to put it into a language that is polite so they'll say things like needs more impulsion or lacking preparation or losing quarters which is fine but sometimes I think it's just easier or at least I find it easier for someone to just say you need to do this go and do this and it will get better whereas sometimes it gets a little bit too too complex and too polite and too I can't think of the word almost like socially acceptable (laughs) whereas sometimes actually just the brutal honesty of this is what you need to do can be really helpful who does that for you is up to you but it needs to be someone that a understands obviously the judge language and can also put it into plain English so someone like your coach who knows you is probably quite helpful Again, though, going back to the comments, look for the trends. If a judge has commented on anything more than once, this needs to be something that you put at the top of the list to work on in your training. Yes, I'm recording a podcast, but you've... So again, look for trends. If the judge has commented on anything more than once, this is probably something that you should be putting at the top of your list to work on in your training. The judge's comment at the end is a space for the judge to comment on the whole test. What was good in general, what needs to be worked on in general. And this is probably the most important part. The judges tend to say something nice, like lovely competition or lovely combination, not competition, lovely combination, sympathetically ridden, lovely paces, something along those lines. And then they tend to say something that needs to be worked on. And this will be something that impacted a lot of your marks through a lot of your test. Definitely pay close attention to it. Because again, if you didn't quite do something the whole way through, that could have lost you half a mark, a mark, even a mark and a half, two marks throughout your whole test, which could have a big impact on your score as a whole. Again, if you don't quite understand what it means, ask someone about it. Then we can talk a little bit about the directives. And these are like little explanations or notes on the test sheet that highlight a few of the things the judges are looking for. And they will be on every movement as well as under the collectives. The judge might underline some of them to save time or to emphasise like a specific issue. So if your free walk has little to no stretching down and out, the judge may ask the writer to underline that part of the directive rather than write all that out. It's also really helpful for working out what you could improve on in your test. So if you're not sure, let's say the judge gave you a seven and no comment, you can look at the directives and ask yourself, did you feel that you actually achieved all of these things? If you didn't, you can then make a note of that to then focus on in your training. So It's about making the most of the judge's comments, but also reading between the lines and also using your own knowledge to work it out as well. Then we can look at the collectives then. So the collectives come at the end of the test and these are anything from one to five marks, depending on the test. And they are for things like paces, submission, impulsion, rider position, rider effectiveness. And we've done a whole podcast series on this. So if you're unsure what each one means, how you can improve it, what to do with them, 
I'll pop a link in the description below with all of them there so you can go back and listen to them if you want to. But have a look at them and look at what was your highest mark, what was your lowest mark. If your lowest mark was for submission, have a look through those directives and see what specifically you need to work on. A judge may have been really helpful and underlined some of the directives or guided you in the comments over what to work on. It might be that you know your horse has a contact issue, but you're not sure why. But if you're getting a low mark for impulsion and the judge has underlined, let's say, desire to go forward, that could be why. If you're getting a low mark for submission, that could be why. The judge is quite literally telling you how to fix the problems you have and guiding you as to how to get higher marks. These are, at the end of the day, the people that judge us and decide what mark we get and they are specifically telling us exactly what we need to do to get extra marks so don't disregard it don't ignore it don't just read it quickly and put the test sheet in a drawer somewhere make a note of it write down the weaker areas write down the strengths compare them across your other tests decide if you agree with them decide if you don't agree with them all these things are going to help guide you to exactly what to do in your training and what to work on with your horse to get higher marks for each movement and higher marks for those collectives too. So my top tips then for assessing your test sheet, analysing it and working out what to work on in your training. Number one is to know where your double up marks are. These have the opportunity to gain you twice as many marks, so don't disregard it. Number two, try to find something you can improve on in every movement. Don't just think because it's above a seven that you can forget about it. Every single mark, unless you get a 10, is an opportunity for you to make a little change to get even more marks. Number three, compare your marks, whether that's the left rein versus the right rein, the competition you did last week versus this week, your circles versus your transitions, and so on. There's so many things you can compare to actually see how even you are, whether you're improving, what you should work on. Number four, if you don't understand what the judges' comments are saying, go ask someone, because these are literally the people who are judging you and deciding on your marks, telling you how to improve. So don't just disregard it. Listen to it. If you don't understand what it means, go and speak to the judge. Go and speak to your coach to work out and kind of unpack what they want of you. Number five, use the directives to show you what to work on. If there are no comments there, you can use them to go through and decide what you could potentially improve. Number six, the collectives can guide you on the things to work on that affected your whole test. These are going to be things where you lost one or so marks throughout the test. And if by improving kind of these areas, you could make huge differences to your scores. These will be longer term things like it might be improving the contact or improving your horse's kind of reaction to your leg or creating more suppleness. They're all more longer term things, but by working on it in your training, you're going to improve your scores. The final thing I want to say is to know what can lose you marks or eliminate you. BD now have the online rule book, which is really helpful. You can just keep it on your phone and flick through when you want to. But I know people that have 
lost a championship title because they rode with a stick, which is an automatic elimination. And knowing the rules means that you won't be that person. And so know the rules, know what could lose you marks, things like wearing your boots and bandages in the test, going wrong, severe disobedience can all lose you one, two, three, four marks. You get too many of those deductions, you could be eliminated. And so knowing that and knowing how it works is really important too. So that is the end of our podcast on analysing your test sheet. I really hope that you found this really helpful. And next time you will go away and really read your test sheet. If you want to go and download the spreadsheet that has the kind of blank version for you to fill in the movements you're doing, go ahead. They are on the free resources section of the website. And there are also the actually already filled in ones for all the levels from prelim all the way through to into one and you can print them off and use them as much as you like um, to help you really get really stuck in with assessing how your tests have gone within one test but also over a period of time too I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do share it. The best way to do it is on social media. As I always say, you can take a screenshot, share it to your stories, tell us where you're watching it, how it's helped, all those things. We love to see kind of what you've taken on board. It's really helpful because it shows us what you're really enjoying and it kind of helps us to tailor what the next podcast will be about. So please do keep doing that. Please do keep sending them in and I will see you next time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.